Hello, everyone. Welcome to the One Flesh Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. Uh, that's all the intro you're getting because we've done this three times already. So I've uh, messed it up three times. You know what the One Flesh Podcast is. It's about marriage. Uh, we still don't have a written intro. We still don't have a standard intro because uh, I can't do it. It's impossible. Um, I've got Blake Flannery here on the other end of the phone. Blake, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I've wasted uh, 15 minutes of your time trying to get an intro together. <laughs> uh and this is the point where i just throw my hands up no uh for real a little bit of a uh, an icebreaker attention breaker for me um i tried the intro like three times but y'all know what the one flesh uh podcast is about it's about marriage it's about us uh uh men coming together and helping young men try to figure marriage out men of all ages really uh if there's anything that i'm discovering uh throughout the life of this podcast is that marriage is difficult uh no matter your age whether you're dating whether you've been married for 50 years uh, it's it's a tough thing to do, and that's what we're trying to uh, come together and and help people with on Wednesdays. Uh, we have the regular podcast, the Purpose Podcast, on Sundays. Um, so we've got Blake Flannery on, and maybe this is your uh, second time to listen to the Blake Flannery episode. Uh, we're going to touch on it briefly. Uh, I'll let I'll give you know Blake a chance to say what he wants to say, but uh, basically, um, if you've listened to me at all, uh, and if you've listened to uh, anybody that's worth their salt at the things that they do, um, you know that uh, it's important to put out a product that you're happy with. Uh, it's important to put out a product that represents certain standards that you have. Uh, both Blake and I, honestly, um, Blake felt this way. I felt this way that the, the product that we had put out the first time uh, did not represent what we wanted it to represent. Uh, Blake felt like he didn't he didn't represent himself and uh, and his marriage the way that he wanted to. I personally felt like it didn't represent um myself one flesh uh the, the whole podcast uh the way it needed to and, and i didn't think it really represented blake the way that he wanted it to either uh and so we're doing what good men do when they mess up and we're trying again <laughs> um we're trying to get it right uh and hopefully this one is going to be a lot better and i don't even need to say hopefully i know it's going to be a lot better uh because we've discussed what the problems were with the first one and uh we're going to do it again and we're going to give you a better product so uh frankly that's all i kind of had to say about it uh, if you got to listen to the first one, lucky you. Uh, there was actually quite a few people who did, uh, but this one's going to be better. That I don't think there was anything existentially wrong with the first one. Uh, I don't think there's anything that we really need to go back and clarify. Blake may think I'm wrong, but uh, it just wasn't as good of a product as what we could have put out, and we're here to rectify that. Uh, so I'll turn it over to you, Blake, to address the matter um, and see... Yes. So, uh, I'll just keep it short and sweet. You know, I, uh, I did not, you know, explain things and speak about things, uh, in a complete picture. It was really one-sided. And when I listened back to it, I was like, I kind of making my wife sound like she's not a good person, which is not the case. And I would think that probably a good number of people would understand that. Cause obviously, you know, we wouldn't still be together. Uh, if it was an awful and toxic and, and dangerous relationship. Uh, so yeah, it was just, it was, I did not represent her very well. And in doing so I misrepresented myself. Uh, and, uh, I appreciate you, you know, pulling that down, give me a chance to come back on and, uh, give this redo. So not really going to talk about it, address it. We're just going to hit it again. Like, like it didn't happen before. So we can go back over some of the same information and give a, complete picture this time yeah yeah absolutely and and i know i said that i would be done with it and that was all i was going to say but uh 
it is very difficult to uh it is very difficult to get on here and talk about marriage. Uh, that that is one thing that not only is marriage difficult to do, but it's incredibly difficult to talk about. Um, it's it's just a hard thing to discuss, uh, and I don't know what the hell I've gotten myself into uh, on this podcast because you know even even the purpose trying to like ask people what their purpose is it's a hard question to answer. Uh, it, it's difficult, but then when I started talking about marriage, just yeah, it's crazy, and and I made the point in the uh, the little su- the the audio, the temporary audio that's that's sitting in place on that episode uh, right now. Of, of uh, that's why this is so important, uh, and so the only reason I bring it up is that uh, it's so important because it is so difficult to talk about, and you know, especially when I have to do solo episodes and I have nobody to check me, I have nobody to like ask questions. Um, it, it's it's tough, guys. Like it's really tough, uh, and so try to have more conversations with your men uh, about marriage have obviously have conversations uh with your woman that's probably 90% of marriage problems is lack of communication uh so this is an excellent demonstration of how difficult it is to talk about marriage uh two guys that you know do marriage we do it often we seem i i think i have a, a at least a pretty good marriage um i think Blake thinks he has at least a pretty good marriage uh, it's still incredibly difficult to talk about uh which is all the more reason that you should be talking about it with your wives, with your men, uh, with your brothers. Uh, it's a, it's an important thing to talk about and it's a difficult one to talk about. So uh, anyway, uh, moving on, the rapid fire. We can't forget the rapid fire. So we have to do the rapid fire. Blake, right. what, is your, what is your favorite, I guess maybe not tactic, but um, I know y'all do like sustainability or land nav. What, what is your favorite area to teach in? Uh, so and why, say, why is it CQB? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the CQB stuff is fun and I do enjoy it. Uh, but so far my favorite program that we've taught is when we just did, uh, with our small unit sustainment program. Um, we have, uh, the small unit maneuver program, which is essentially the same thing. Uh, but with the small unit sustainment, it's a couple days longer and we spend, that extra 48 hours uh, out in the field. And that is a huge eye opener to uh, the people who attend. Um, the small unit maneuver is just like a small taste and then having to actually be organized into a unit, make a movement to a site where you are going to be staying out in the field, trying to maintain all the patrol disciplines, moving under a load, uh, it was incredibly eye-opening for the students uh, that it's not just about, you know, putting on a light pack and go walking around in the woods with your buddies for a day. And, you know, you oh, yeah, you're recce because you have a LPVO on your rifle while you're doing it. It's like there's a lot that truly goes into it. Um, so to see to see them developing that appreciation for just how much goes into like actually able to go out and keep yourself in that austere environment. Um, it was a ton of fun, got a lot of really good feedback from the students. Uh, they're a great bunch of dudes. And some of them I've now taught multiple times through uh, Orion classes. So yeah, it was a really good time and my favorite uh, so far. Yeah, no, it's a uh, small unit sustainment. I, if I think I'm picking up on it, it's, it's, uh, it's always been something that I was hyper aware of. I was, I was a boy scout, uh, for a little bit, 
uh, right up until the point that they let gays in. So um, that was when my dad was like, no, we're no longer doing Boy Scouts, which uh, is just funny. I think it's funny, but because uh, I mean, we're in small town, Texas, there were there were none that wanted into our troop, but <laughs> there were none to be found. Uh, but anyway, I was a Boy Scout up until that. And, you know, you're always to, to be prepared. Um, that, that was that was the goal. And so uh, my dad even went a step farther than a lot of uh, the other Boy Scouts did in their in their dads. Uh, where we were prepared for a lot. I mean, we were prepared for almost everything, a little bit too much at times. Uh, but it's always very scary to me when, because I'm a hunter. Uh, I'm a hunter. I like to be outside. I, I've got a lot of friends that do backpacking and stuff like that. Uh, when somebody's like, hey, you want to go? Or I'll ask them, like, you want to go hunting? And then they show up with like one Nalgene, you know, a flashlight and like a small backpack. Um, we're supposed to be out there all day. And I'm like, do you have nothing else? Like, what are we doing here? Or they'll be like, yeah, let's go, let's go, you know, the lightweight backpacking. Um, like if you don't know what you're doing, you could just get yourself in a, a lot, a lot of trouble. Um, yep. really, really bad situations. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that is one class that eventually I want to take as a small unit sustainment. Uh, and I feel like it's going to be a lot of suffering and probably good suffering. Yeah. But we'll, we'll be in Texas in November. Really, where at? Uh, it is right outside San Antonio. For small unit sustainment. Yep, that's really cool. I wonder how is uh, y'all's classes are in like the six hundred price range. Yeah, is that false? Uh, so that one I believe is a thousand. Uh, because it's five days. Okay. So generally, classes yeah. come out to be like two hundred bucks a day. Okay. Yeah, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. Now that would be a cool one to uh, that would be a cool one to go to right outside of San Antonio. I wonder where I guess do you have private land that y'all are going to do the sustainment on. No, so it's on a facility called the Ranch Texas. Uh, on okay. Instagram, they're at the underscore Ranch underscore Texas. Um, they they hold they so they're a venue for government contracts, law enforcement, and then you know uh, folks like OTG, other smaller uh, training companies. That's really cool. So yeah, no, that's, that's badass. But uh, so I think that's uh, what we'll do for the rapid fire. Yeah, we're, we're at about 245. Uh, good little rapid fire question that doesn't have anything to do with marriage. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, restate your purpose uh, for those that, that haven't heard the, the first episode. So Blake, what is your purpose? Yeah, so um, my purpose, as far as I'm concerned, what I believe to be is to be a warrior. Uh, but beyond that and probably far more importantly is to bring others with me on that path to be a teacher and mentor uh, for those on that path. Uh, I believe that to be my, my truest purpose. And even though I have definitely had to work really hard for some skills, you know, the understanding of, of the skill sets come very easy to me and there's soft skills that have come along fairly easy to me, but the, the teaching and mentoring aspect of it uh, is something I just seem to have a gift for, for breaking concepts down, keeping people up, you know, intellectually and conceptually with things. Um, so I think that's my truest purpose. Awesome, man. No, I, and I like that one uh, to be a warrior. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that go into to being a true warrior from what I've seen, you know, especially dealing with like uh, Jared from OTG and, and yourself uh the things that can get wrapped up in that is is uh it, it's just crazy the the word means so much more than what you typically think it would 
Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's almost like what comes to mind is like the samurai of, you know, a samurai is not just a, a dude that knows how to swing his sword. It was like a way of life and a complete way of being that um, encapsulated everything, like every part of life. Uh, I, and so I actually like that. It's a it's a unique purpose that you've given me uh, and, and I enjoy it very much. Uh, but in the realm of one flesh we're probably not going to talk about it very much i wanted you to state it uh we'll use it in the context of marriage but we'll have to save that for a sunday episode to dive deeper into uh into what being a warrior really means and uh how you bring people on that path with you but we're here to talk about marriage so uh i'm going to ask you to uh tell us a little bit of the story of of, of your marriage so let's start uh on a broad scope so you're married how many years have you been yep. married uh to who are you married and uh yeah. give us kind of the 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 30,000 foot view of your marriage if you don't mind yeah so uh we've now been married for just over 10 years um we celebrated our 10th anniversary on uh July the 4th uh we very specifically got married on July the 4th so we would always both be able to remember the day of the anniversary um so celebrate 10 years uh, we've been together in this relationship in its current uh, manifestation for 12 years. And the reason I phrase it that way is we've known each other now for uh, 22 years. Uh, we actually met at the recruiter's office in Connecticut. Um, I had already joined up. I was already in the delayed entry program. It was toward the end of my senior year of high school. Had uh, you know shown up to the recruiter for another probably had been a Saturday PT session, you know, workout session. And this little turquoise car pulled up next to my Jeep. A couple of girls got out. So I automatically was like, oh, they're not, they can't be here for part of this. You know, like I know everybody who's else in the delayed entry program and, you know, it's all dudes. Um, but yeah, they, they walked up to the door and I'm like, oh, they are here for this. Like, that's, that's cool. Uh, and my eye was my eye was instantly on uh, now my wife uh, Diana, and I was like, "That's that's a very attractive young lady right there. I would like to get to know her better." <laughs> um, Those were the exact words you thought. Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I was uh, smitten by her appearance pretty much immediately, uh, and. Back then, uh, I was, you know, the opposite of now, uh, shaved head, shaved face. Uh, so I had an intimidating looking personality to them. And uh, so they did believe that I could possibly be a member of the KKK. And that might seem <laughs> odd to people. But actually, there in Connecticut, there there actually is a, uh, a density of clan members. Uh, I don't know if there still is, but I know that like within an hour of where we were, there was a town um, that was infamous for being clansmen. So uh, it was a, a pretty natural reaction. And the recruiter is like, Hey, yeah, you know, Candy, Diana, why don't you just hop in Blake's Jeep with him? He knows where we're going. Cause we would, we would drive to a local high school and use their, uh, their track. And they were like, okay. So they got in the Jeep, we started driving and I could feel the tension. And my uh, wife was like, could you put on some music? I was like, oh yeah, sure. Sorry. So I hit play on the CD player. Tupac came on and they were instantly relieved. Uh, 
is if I listen to Tupac, I must not be a bad guy. So <laughs> they were relieved. Um, you know, we jammed out to Tupac to the rest of the way to the school. It took like two songs to get there. Um, and then we just started dating. Uh, it wasn't super serious. It was just whenever we had the time um, to hang out, uh, trying not to make our only contact like the police session. So we started like going to dinners and going to movies, uh, stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, so I got uh, called off to boot camp a little bit earlier than expected, uh, but no big deal. And she left for boot camp uh, the month after. So I was July, she was August. Uh, no real contact. I, I'm sure it was a couple of letters while I was in boot camp. Um, and yeah, yeah, there's definitely, I got one from her. She sent me a letter when she checked in, uh, and was, uh, assigned to her training company in, uh, Paris Island, South Carolina. I definitely got a letter from her then, but it was kind of off and on. Uh, and then that Christmas of 2001, uh, we were both on leave. And so we, we met up again and, uh, you know, we were spending as much time as we could together. Uh, but then we went to a movie theater and, um, you know, I always kind of give her crap for this, just joking around, but you know, she, she dumped me, uh, at the, the pre for the previews of the movie. And then we still sat there and watched the whole movie. Neither one is going to remember what the movie was, so it must've been awful, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, the the gist of it was like I, I joked that she dumped me, but really it was it was it was a mutual thing. It was like, look, we're both focused on our careers as Marines. We both had the idea that we wanted to do 20 years and make a career out of the Marine Corps. So knowing this, she's like, you know you're going to the West Coast, you know what your job's gonna be, you know, because I had them in my contract. Um she did not know where she was going to be stationed yet because she wouldn't find that out until after her uh, initial schooling for her job, which she she had just found out at that point uh, uh, what she was going to be doing for the Marine Corps. So I was like, yeah, I'm like, it, it makes sense, you know, like long range, you know, really is going to work out. And that could be a distractor uh, from us trying to like get started and get a foothold in our careers. And I was like, yeah, like absolutely makes sense. Um, and she's like, if the Marine Corps, you know, ever happens to just kind of bring us back together and we're stationed in the same place, we'll see where we're at in life and, you know, go from there. And I'm like, fair enough. Uh, so, you know, we parted ways, you know, I went back to training. She went back to training. Uh, I got stationed on the West coast. Um, we kept up through letters, the occasional phone call, uh, her first duty station was Okinawa, Japan. So it was hard to like catch each other on the phone. Um, and then when I, in between my first and second deployment, I get a letter from her saying, Hey, I am on Camp Pendleton in California. And that's where I was stationed at the time as well. Uh, she's like, so I moved here. Here's the the number to my home. I'm on base housing. And she's like, I'm, I'm married and I'm pregnant. I'm like, okay. Like, not exactly the news I wanted to hear, but <laughs> so I, I gave her a call and, um, you know, she was like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to like hurt you. I'm like, no, 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 no. We like, we, we agreed that we would just be adults and live our own lives. Um, you've done nothing wrong, you know, and I, I wish the best for you. Uh, I wish the best for your son. 
And I was like, yeah, I don't really know what's going on in your marriage, but I'll just say like, do what you can to, to make it work for your son because coming from um, split parents and, and growing up, like it's not, it's not fun to have uh, divorced parents, you know, I mean, it's definitely not fun. I'm sure to live with parents who want to be divorced, but just refuse to split and are always fighting. Uh, but if you can make it work, uh, I think it will just be better. I was like, but I, I wish you the best. I hope you get everything that you want out of life. And like, if we stay in touch, we stay in touch. If not, you know, again, no big deal. I'm about to deploy again. So if I hear from you, I, I hear from you. And uh, it just kind of worked out for, for better, for worse, for whatever reason that uh, I stopped getting letters from her. I stopped writing her at that point. I think I called her one more time uh, before I actually left for Iraq again. Um, and after that, you know, no more letters, no more phone calls. Uh, I did have a, a photo in my wallet of her that I kept for many, many years. And then uh, around 2007, I think it was when I had ordered, I lost that wallet, lost that photo. And I was like, okay, that's, that's like a sign. I just need to, I need so, to let it go. Uh, Blake, I, yeah, I had lost ahead. you there for a second. Uh, and okay. I think I, I think I heard where you were at. You said that you had a photo in the wallet and yep. uh, at some point you lost it, I guess. Yeah. I lost the, uh, I lost the wallet while I was doing my, uh, uh, executing orders to Okinawa, Japan, the third recon battalion. Uh, lost the wallet. So I took that as a sign of, okay, it's like, dude, it's time to let it go. Um, that's that picture is gone. That's the last thing you had of her. Uh, I had kept all of her letters in a bag. And so I was like, all right, well, just like put all aside. Like she has a family. She's, you know, hopefully very happy and getting all that. She's like, so I put all that to the side, never forgot about her, but, uh, she was just like a, you know, a happy memories from the past. And then fast forward to 2011. Uh, I'm an instructor again, back on Camp Pendleton, California. And I go into my office one day, pull up my emails in the morning to see what's up. And there's an email from a female Marine. And you know, I recognize the first name because uh, my wife's name is spelled like Diana, but because she's Colombian, it's pronounced Diana. So I see Diana. And every time I've ever seen that name now, it's like, Boom, that's huge, like highlight. But the last name was different and it's not what I remember it. I'm like, huh, so it's just a coincidence, right? Well, I wonder why this female Marine is contacting me because there's not a lot of female Marines here in uh, the School of Infantry on the West Coast. I opened it up and it's like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but we we hung out at the recruiter's office. You know, we both recruited out of the same station. Um, and I'm in Camp Pendleton again. I was like, there's no way, like it can't be. Like after eight years of no contact and like 10 years of not seeing each other, like there's no way this is suddenly her. Like it, it can't be, it must be somebody else. So I, I replied back to the email. I kept it very professional because I, I just wasn't sure what to do. And my office number was in the signature block, which is, you know, pretty standard. So a few minutes after I sent out the email, phone rings, she's on the other side. Like, why are you being so professional? And I was like, well, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. It's like, it's a, you know, a dot mail email. And I know she's like, what's your cell number? So I give her my cell number. She calls me back in the cells. Um, and we talk a little more open. Um, we catch up for a bit. 
I spent like 30 minutes on the phone catching up and I'm like, Hey, I, you know, I am at work. Like I got to go. And she's like, yeah, me too. Uh, so we went back and forth for, um, it actually took a couple months, like going back and forth over the phone, like when and where are we going to meet up again? And, uh, it came out that, uh, she had already planned to take, uh, our, our, well, now my, my stepson, my oldest son, um, when he was seven, he was like, she was, well, I was going to take him to Legoland on this day. And I was like, okay, well, if you guys don't mind, like I'll tag along. Like I've always wanted to check it out anyways. And, you know, I'll get to see you again, see Legoland for the first time. I'll meet your son. Like, it'll be great. And if you get a weird vibe from me, right. I just kind of like fade away. And now you're just with your son in Legoland and it's no big deal. Right. Um, so yeah, we met up, uh, went to Legoland, spent uh, most of the day there. Um, kind of just talking more about like current, more recent history. And then, uh, afterwards we went back to her place and like really dug into what have we been doing, you know, the past 10 years, what have we been doing really the last eight years since we haven't been contacting each other and just really catching up. Um, so we, we dated for two years. We didn't want to get married, um, my wife had been married prior and she was not in a rush to, to do the whole marriage thing again. Um, I wasn't big on the idea of marriage one, like why do I need the state's permission to, to commit myself to another person? Um, and then another part for me was like, you know, I'd seen costly seen marriages in the military, like not working out. And then of course my own history of my parents divorcing, like, well, that didn't work out. Uh, and I think at that point, so my mom remarried when I was seven and I think right about this time, uh, she was also now divorcing my stepdad yeah. after, after they've been together for 20 years. So I was like, yeah, I just don't really know if this thing like truly works out. I have, I don't have a ton of examples of like this really working out. So I was like, yeah, I, I don't think we need to do it. I think we can just like between two people commit to each other. And she was good with that. However, she kept getting, uh, you know, threatened, um, with orders to Okinawa. Uh, and that might seem harsh for people to understand, but you know, we're in California, it's a nice place to be stationed. And with the whole dynamic that was going on, uh, it was just not going to be convenient whatsoever for her to get stationed in Okinawa. Um, so we were able to avoid it and she's like, they're just going to keep doing it. She's like, let's get married. Because then they will actually, although they don't have to, the military will work with couples that are both in the service to try and keep them together or keep them as geolocated as they possibly can. Uh, I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's do this thing. So rented a park, got like 40 pounds of T-bone, a bunch of big beans and some <laughs> custom cupcakes, invited people out like, hey, we're going to do a 4th of July barbecue at this park and uh, a chaplain's going to get us hitched at the same time. So come on out. So small wedding, quick and easy. Um, and yeah, that was July 4th of uh, 2013. And so we were, we were married from that point. I, I moved in with her uh, about, what was it now about six years ago. Uh, we moved from California uh, out here to North Carolina. Uh, and we both finished our uh, careers out at Camp Lejeune. Uh, we retired together. Uh, initially I was going to retire first and she was going to spend another couple years in, but, uh, 
she had one too many straws break the camel's back. And she's like, yeah, I just, I really want to retire. I was like, pull the trigger, do it. I'm like, we'll do it together. And uh, so we did, she submitted her paperwork. We did our, our ceremony together, uh, retired on the same day. And yeah, now we're just, you know, out here chilling in North Carolina, raising our boys. That's awesome, man. No, it's a, that's a really good story. It's, it's a cool story. It's one that you could probably uh, make a movie out of, honestly. Uh, it sounds like with the right writer and the right director, you could, you can make a pretty good movie. There's probably been a couple of them that have been similar. Um, yeah, find, but find no, whoever it, did the notebook. Yeah. <laughs> is, is it, is it close? Um, I don't know. So. I, I've never seen it, but I imagine that whoever wrote the notebook probably has enough that they could spin our story into a blockbuster. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that's uh now that we've said that your wife is going to put that on your to-do list is to find a writer to, to make you a bunch of money on a, on a movie. <laughs> So, um, but no, yeah. it's, it's, it's a cool story, um, meeting in the recruiter's office and then eventually coming back together. Um, it, it is a really cool story. And, uh, the Tupac is actually really funny. I don't, I don't know why it's so funny, but it's just, it's just funny to me that, uh, that is what eventually bonded y'all, uh, or what started. Yeah, everybody bond, gets a kick least. out of that part of the story. Yeah. Uh, no, that, that one's, that one's pretty good. But, uh, so one thing that I did kind of pick up on is, uh, you, you had started with on, on, on your thoughts about marriage, uh, that you weren't just a huge fan of the idea. She had been married a couple of times. You had seen a lot of marriages fail. Um, what is your status on marriage right now? How do you feel about marriage now that you've been doing it for about 10 years? So, yeah, um, I looked at it as that was the problem, um, and really, it, it's, that's a very short-sighted and immature way of looking at marriage is not the problem. And it's not a solution either, right? You can, two people can absolutely commit themselves to each other. Um, and you don't need, uh, like, we don't even have rings. We've never, we've never bothered with rings. It's not something that we want. Um, the, the issues that arise are always between the people. Yeah. Right. Like that's what ends any relationship, whether it's a marriage, an engagement, you're just dating. Uh, it's the personalities that either they don't mesh enough or they mesh too much. Uh, you know, that old saying like opposites attract. And it's it's absolutely true. Like I've seen a lot of people when they are very much similar. At first, it seems really cool. But then you start seeing all the things about yourself and the other person and you don't like it. And that ends up just creating a uh, bigger risk. So I, especially with my wife and I, we are like the right amount of wrong for each other, right. but still the right amount of good for each other. Um, Cause you know, even I'm the, the calm, the quiet, collective, pensive, and she is vibrant and loud and emotional and high energy, but it balances each other. You know, without one, like without her, I would just like sit inside all the time until like, oh, it's time to go to work. I will go work. Now I return to domicile <laughs> and I will sit here in the darkness. Um, so you, you got to have that, that balance. And uh, we are very fortunate that it just naturally occurs like we have that balance for each other 
Right. So yeah, that's <laughs> that's my thing on marriage. Like marriage is marriage. It's it's where it's definitely not something you should rush into because if you aren't compatible and you don't have that yin and that yang with each other, now you really are. Now now you already had to go get you know the state's permission and you know your uh your religious permission, which that part, you know, that's easy, but now you got to go back through the state and you got to do the separation and the divorce. And it gets, you know, it's not often a, an amicable, pretty thing. It's pain and frustration and nuisances. And then there's name changes. So it's like you, you definitely want to make sure that the compatibility is there. And that's one of the big reasons that I've seen a lot of military marriages fail was because the two people rushed into it mm -hmm. right and and i think that uh a lot of people view it on a time scale when really I, I don't think it has anything to do with time at all um you know a lot of people say they rush into it um on a time scale they're like oh that was only six weeks um or it was only six months or uh some people can't even imagine getting married to somebody after a year or two years uh, but I really, I, I'm a firm believer that when you say rush into it, that means that you, um, you know, performed a mission without all the critical intel. I'm not going to try to use military speak because I don't know what the hell I'm saying. But, um, you know, you did, you don't have any yeah. intel and then you're trying to go execute something that um, is going to fail on you because you don't you don't know anything about this person. Uh, to yeah, me, it's, it's like a lot your job a, gives you a. Yeah, your uh, your boss gives you a project at your job, and you've never done a project like that before, and you you're really not sure how to do it. You've heard of other people doing it, and you've kind of seen other people do it, and he's just like, "Go do this," and you're like, "Uh, yeah. I'm gonna get fired," you know? Yeah, no. But if you if you get the information you need, then you you can go into it and make sound decisions. Uh, so yeah, yeah. The the timeline yeah. is is relative. You know, for some people, six weeks could be enough, right? Just based on their personalities and who they are. And again, like my wife and I, we've known each other for 22 years, but like we talked about, there's a huge gap in there where like we didn't actually know each other, right? right. There was no contact. There was no sighting. So um, it took those, those two years of us dating and I mean, essentially living together. I still maintained, um, uh, I rented a room out of, so four of us rented a house together uh, in Orange County, California. So I maintained that room and every, you know, times like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not going to come down tonight. I'm going to go hang with the guys and, and do that. Uh, and we had actually, we actually planned like, okay, when we agree, we're going to do this marriage thing. It was originally supposed to be 2014. Uh, but the whole orders thing came up again. So it was like, all right, well, let's just do it now. And that's one of the big reasons it was just in a park and it was small and it was quick. Um, Cause we just felt we needed that time to fully understand who each other was, you know, when we got into it. Do, so do you us, feel like, uh, yeah. Do, do you feel like it's, it's more of a, uh, a, a promise now? So like, um, you know, you had mentioned that you think two people could be committed to one another. Uh, do you do you view marriage as more of a situation or uh, an agreement or a promise? So basically, the the way I kind of view marriage, it holds uh, pretty true with the, I guess the Christian view of marriage that it's it truly is a promise to one another um, to love each other unconditionally. Um, 
for the rest of your lives, no if, hands or buts. Uh, and that's kind of marriage is to me more of a, a structure. It's more of a, a fortress around your relationship uh, that you've both committed to be in. You know, once you commit to be dropped in the fortress, you can no longer leave. Uh, you have to work it out within the walls of the marriage. It's, it's a promise mm-hmm. that you make for the rest of your life. Uh, what is your view of, of marriage now after 10 years? What do you think marriage really is? Uh, see for us, that's, um, that's hard because we still both, uh, kind of look at it as like, it's, it's a thing that the state requires, you know, okay. uh, to us, just the two people can commit themselves. And if, you know, if you are religious, you know, you can bring the, the religion to it you're, you're doing it, you know, under God. Um, and I mean, we've even joked and talked about like, now that we're retiring, we don't need to worry about the Marine Corps. Like we'll just divorce or just to not be married. And I was like, some people look at us, they're like, what? And we're like, well, first off, we're really just joking about that. Like, we're not going to do it, but it's more of like saying it to the point of like, yeah, I mean, like there's no, that, the, that word marriage is not what ties us together. What ties us together is our own commitment to each other, to the family, our love for one another. Um, that's what, what builds it. Uh, and, but saying that, you know, I think that when people look at their marriage and try to figure out like, what does this mean to us? You could go off of, you know, what you said, like this is saying we are married is truly saying that we have committed to each other and that we are in this and that we are bonded. And therefore it is upon us to maintain that bond. And when it starts to fray or tear or shift to do what we have to, to repair it and then to look to strengthen it. Uh, right. So really yeah. I would just say, you know, yeah, look at marriages like, Hey, that is just as like the truest commitment, you know, you can make to uh, someone you love. I, I agree with you. And, and I think that, uh, I think that this is, it has been kind of a problem for the West for a while uh, is this uh, degradation of, of terms um and and what they really need and and it's part of the not to get political but i mean we're talking about marriage it's part of the reason that uh the whole gay marriage thing was such a was such a pitfall in my opinion for marriage uh is because you completely ruined the definition of the word marriage and it was long before gay marriage is actually i mean you could go back to even contraception contraception or no fault divorce um just really ruined the whole concept of what uh the word marriage and the idea was supposed to be for a lot of different people. Uh, it's where it turns into just instead of the state recognizing the promise that you're making, uh, instead of the state recognizing the marriage, now the state ordaining it, uh, and and it loses almost all meaning of what it's what it's supposed to really have. Uh, and you know, I think that um, something that you and I do agree on um, is is just the fact that that commitment is what marriage that's the ideal of marriage and what it's really supposed to be. Um, not necessarily what we bastardized it into now, um, in, in, in the West. Can we agree on that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, ultimately a lot of that stuff and for better, or for worse, that is what makes our country a great country. 
um, it just kind of, this is like a slight tangent, but uh, like, you know, gay marriage and everything else. It's like, yeah, you know, we may not all agree with it, but that's okay. Like we have the right not to agree with it. Just like those people have the right to life, liberty and pursuit of happiness, which means, you know, to women want to get married, to guys want to get married, whatever. Um, and again, if based on your religious convictions, right, that can bother one person more than another. And we have the freedom to express that. Uh, so, yeah, like it's not something I understand. It, obviously, it's not for me, uh, you know, because I married a woman. I got my wife. But uh, I don't really sweat that stuff anymore. Um, after the career that I had in the Marine Corps and seeing all the things I've seen, this is like, I just want to be, you know, left to my own devices to raise my family and live my life. And I want the same thing for everybody else. My problem comes in when other people are like, well, I don't feel like I'm being treated fairly. And so everyone needs to look at me and recognize me and pander to me and do things my way, the way I want them done. Um, I think that's also short-sighted, but if somebody comes out and is like, Hey, I just want to live my life and be free. And this is how I choose to do it. Like, all right, cool. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. And that's, that's fine. But yeah, I do think that it has become um, too easy and the concept of it of, well, if it just doesn't work out, we'll just get divorced. If it doesn't work out, like we'll just split. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had an expression, um, uh, I don't know if it started within uh, Marine Reconnaissance, probably not, but it was, just, you know, once you quit, you'll never quit quitting. Right. Because, well, the first time you allow yourself to go to that part, like, you know what, this is really hard. I really don't like this. This is uncomfortable. This is painful. This, you know, makes me sad, whatever. I'm just, I'm going to quit. I'm not going to do this. And you quit. And then the next time you're faced with that adversity, you're like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to do this. I'm just going to quit. And I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. And I think it turns into that. Um, it definitely that's does. You approach, yeah. If you approach the relationship, like from that standpoint, like, oh, if it doesn't work out, like we can just, you know, divorce or, or separate. It's like, yeah, it's not like going to Chili's like, oh, I don't like the service here. We can just leave and not pay our tab. Like, <laughs> it's not the same thing. And I think it, it gets looked at and it could be because of how our, our culture has developed, you know, first world problems, everything is always readily available. And it, it, the further we go along, the more and more things are more readily available, you know? Um, and I think that it has put this idea that like, because everything is around that realm of like instant gratification uh, you don't get that in marriage. Marriage is not about instant gratification and continuous dopamine hits. It's a lot of work and it's long-term. It's like it says, till death do you part. Um, and, you know, people joke, we're like, oh, you know, when did you realize that that now became a life goal of death do you part instead of a, a timeline? I'm like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, that's funny. But, you know, it's, that's what it's about. And if you're looking for that, like constant instant gratification and everything to be great and the honeymoon phase never ends, like it's going to end and you're going to have adversity, but the stronger you are, then the less that adversity can affect you both individually and as a couple. 
Right. Yeah. And that's kind of funny. Uh, the, once you quit, you'll never quit quitting. Uh, that, I don't know where that came from, but I was actually never allowed to, uh, to quit youth sports. So if I started a youth sport, I had to go the whole season. Uh, I was going to show up to practices and I was going to show up to games, uh, whether I wanted to or not, my dad was going to take me to them. Um, cause you don't get to quit. Uh, you can be not happy with it. You can, uh, and I, and I didn't, honestly, I didn't get to go be a pain in the ass either. Um, because that was the same as quitting. I didn't get to go and just sit on the bench the whole time. Um, I had to go out there and I had to do my best for the rest of the season. And if I didn't want to play next year, uh, with football and baseball, that wasn't an option either. I still had to play. (laughs) Um, but, uh, my dad's like, well, if you don't want to play basketball next year, I don't really care. Uh, so I, I never had to play basketball if I didn't want to, but, uh, yeah, you, you weren't allowed to quit. Um, and you really weren't allowed to, uh, you weren't allowed to not put your best foot forward either. Uh, and, and really, I think that that helped me in, in a lot of different ways to where I see a lot of my friends that were allowed to quit certain things, uh, now can't stick to anything. Um, and so, and, and I think that is kind of the, the beauty of marriage as well. Uh, and that's, and that's what people miss so much about, like when people just entirely miss the point of marriage, um, is, is the, like, that is, that is to me, that's why it's such a beautiful thing is because you're not allowed to quit it. Uh, To me, if you do it right, you're not allowed to quit it. That's, that's the idea. And that's where marriage really becomes beautiful. But, uh, we are looking at like 320. Um, we've talked a lot about marriage. I do want to back up a little bit. Uh, and I want to get to, uh, so one of the, one of the important things about marriage and one of the things that I try to tell the young men that, um, I, I do my best to help, uh, is when you marry somebody, uh, you not only marry them, you don't just marry their body or their mind. Uh, you also marry their debt. Uh, you marry their past, you marry their family. Um, and in your case, you marry their children. Uh, that is what you're marrying. Um, it all comes in one. And so again, debt is a big one. Uh, that's something I talk about with a lot of people is okay. Well, you have like $80,000 worth of debt. You eventually want to get married. Uh, maybe you want to make a plan for this debt that isn't going to fall squarely on your husband when you get married, or isn't going to fall squarely on your wife when you get married, or, Hey, uh, your girlfriend that's about to go out and buy a Jeep that she's going to be upside down on literally a week after she buys it. Why don't you have at least somewhat of a say in this? Because you know, you're going to get married. She knows you're going to get married. Uh, that debt is your debt. It's no longer, oh, I'm just going to, you know, it's my girlfriend making the decision for her. Um, why don't you, you know, try to involve yourself in this decision a little bit? Cause you're going to inherit that upside down Jeep loan, like you're going to. Uh, so yeah. let's, let's think ahead a little bit. Uh, and, and whether you like it or not, it's now on your credit score. I mean, you're married. Uh, mm-hmm. so you might want to deal with it, but, um, let's talk about, especially the children, because you do marry their children and in an ideal world, um, uh, an ideal world that, what am I, what am I trying to say here? Uh, you do marry their children and a lot of people, sometimes that doesn't always work out. But one thing that I have heard about you, uh, from other sources is, uh, the way that you, you do parent your, your stepchildren. And, you know, there's even a little hesitation when you call them your stepchildren, you say my sons, um, or my oldest son, 
tell me a little bit about that process. Uh, tell me why you're so, in, I guess, insistent or passionate uh, that you be there for your stepson's uh, tell me a little bit about that experience before, before we have to go, we got about 30 more minutes here. So. Yeah. Yeah. So the, um, the whole stepson thing, uh, for me, when I was somebody's stepson, uh, I still had a father, you know, my parents split, but my father stayed in the picture. In fact, right now he, he lives five minutes down the road. Uh, he and my stepmom and youngest brother, uh, who's the same age as my son. Um, they live five minutes down the road now. So, uh, we see each other all the time. Um, so it was very important for me as a kid that there was that distinction. And I would always correct him. He'd be like, Oh, this is my son, Blake. I'd be like, stepson. Cause right. like, you're not, you're not my dad. You're John, the stepfather. I have a dad. Uh, and so going into this, um, it was like, same thing. Like I am not here to replace any parents. I am here to be who I am and bring who I am into this relationship and, you know, try to be there. There was a lot of distance at first because I wasn't totally sure where the relationship would go. Um, I had not been in a serious relationship before my wife. I had a few fleeting girlfriends, the longest of which lasted a year because I was deployed for 10 of those months. So (laughs) I, I did not know how to be in a real relationship. Um, I have siblings that are much younger than I am. I have, uh, my sister is 12 years younger. My brother is 14 years younger. And my youngest is like 20 years younger than me. So I had an inkling of what it's like to help raise, you know, babies and toddlers and have these, you know, little rugrats running around. But uh, I wasn't sure how to be a father. I knew I didn't want to make some of the same mistakes uh, that I thought were mistakes by my stepdad. So I was very, uh, very slow, like easing into it. And then between me, like kind of maintaining that distance and easing into it, I was like this, you know, outsider coming into it. And, uh, you know, both my boys have uh, a different father um, and they uh, had, well, one had a, a girlfriend that they've been together since my oldest was born. So as far as he was concerned, and we still consider her bonus mom, she's still part of the family. She's still great. Uh, even though she's no longer with them. Uh, and then my youngest uh, has a stepmom. So there's a lot of other parents involved in the situation. And so I had to be very, very aware and specific because I'm like, if you slip up and you like cuss at one of these kids, cause they drop something on your toe, like that's going to make its way back. And because of the whole dynamic between the families, like that's just, that's not good. Um, so being very specific with what I say, being very aware of what I, I was saying, but then at the same time, you know, everything I say is also getting second guessed. Um, it took them both a while for, uh, well, my youngest, he's only seven months old. So, but even still, like, as he grew up, he's like, he understood, like, there's mom and there's dad and there's, you know, mom number two, because he called his stepmom mom as well. And then there's Blake. Like, I'm just this guy with a name. So it took him a while until he was older and he could, like, understand the dynamic. Like, okay, Blake is a parent, so I do have to listen to what he says. He is here to help me out and raise me. 
Uh, and when that clicked for him, our relationship got a lot better. With my older, it was easier because he was seven years old the first time we met. But there was still a lot of like, if I say something, you know, both of them go to mom. Like, what does mom have to say about this? Because mom might give us an answer. And then that kind of slowly shifted. Now they play the mommy daddy game where it's like, if, you know, one parent gives them the answer they don't want, they go to the other. Uh, right. Unfortunately, unfortunately for them, my wife and I identified that a long time ago. Or like, we have to be a team. So it's like, well, what did, you know, your mother say? What did Blake say? Okay, we're going to go with that. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it was a lot of that. It, it took time. You know, because we can talk about like building trust with our spouses. I had to build trust with the boys. I had to build trust with their other parents um, because that is a lot, you know, and as much as it was uh, kind of a sacrifice for me to completely give up my way of life and being single and being able to just be completely focused on, on work, on being a Marine, on being a Recondo on walking the way of the warrior. Like I was all in and I was never distracted. Now I have a, a distraction and it's not a, a bad thing, but it's a distraction. Now I have this family that I am also responsible for. So there were a lot of things that I had to kind of get over. Like, you know, you are at being selfish. Like you have to consider you know, your family in these events and they had to build that trust in me. Like I'm going to be around. I'm an, and I'm here for their benefit. I'm not here for myself. I'm not just here to, to spend time with their mom. I'm here for them as well. Uh, mm -hmm. So it, it took a good many years. And for um, really for both of them, it took us to moving to North Carolina. Uh, for the youngest, just because he, at that point, he was old enough to start understanding things and seeing how it all worked. And for the older one, um, just because of his relationship, uh, with his father, uh, he started finally seeing that like, okay, Blake is always here for me. He is here to teach me. He's here to make me better. He, he cares about how I perform, like as I, and how I develop as an individual, you know, it's not, he's upset that I didn't mow the lawn because now he has to mow the lawn. He's upset because I said I was going to mow the lawn and then I didn't, which means I broke my word. And he's right. trying to tell me that if you give your word, you should follow through. Not, Oh my God, you inconvenienced me. Um, and that's, that was a big thing to not, to not put off on them, anything, any of my garbage, any of my baggage, any of my nonsense. If, if I'm having a bad day and I'm not always perfect at it, um, cause I definitely get snippy and short, uh, but it was like, I'm not going to push it off on them. I was actually really big too, of not swearing in front of them. Like I will not cuss in front of them and not so much because I'm concerned about them repeating it at school. Um, you know, my mom always cussed up a storm, but I was smart enough to know, like, I can't repeat that <laughs> when I go to school, but I, I wanted to just kind of set it so that like when I do cuss, because eventually I will, that'd be like, oh, he's really serious and angry right now because he just said shit. You know, <laughs> uh, I wanted I wanted the words to kind of carry some gravity um, and it kind of worked out. Uh, but yeah, it we developed the trust and I did want to be there because I saw that with the dynamics that were going on. Um, 
it was going to be easy for not not for them to be like lost in it all but with there's, there's so many personalities and disagreements and everything left and right you know from time to time like you, they kind of could get kind of lost in it and uh, so I felt that I could come in and help mitigate that and, you know, be a team with my wife, uh, because it's definitely not something that she should have to, or really was going to be able to do, you know, all on her own It's a lot for any one single person to, to manage. And that's really one of the reasons that she even reached out to me in the first place, um, well, she wasn't looking to see like, oh, can we start a romantic relationship and pick up where we left off? She's like, I need a friend. She's like, I'm in a brand new place, um, you know, divorced from the last husband with a young baby. Like, I need a friend. And so she found out I was on Camp Pendleton and she reached out. And so that's really how things did kind of start off. It's like, we're, we're friends. And yeah, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out from there. And, you know, fortunately it grew. Um but so yeah, how it, does it took a lot. Yeah, and it, it it it's it's heavy but it's uh it's heavy but it's um maybe inspiring is the word. It, it just it feels good to know that uh that it's able to work out because you know broken families uh and I don't mean anything bad when I say that. That's just what we say. They're they're broken. Um what was an ideal is now no longer uh, and so we call that broken. But uh with with broken families it's uh, it's always good to see uh, some sort of mending um or something new at the very least uh emerging from that um you know it, it's kind of like uh it's very similar to straight up adoption you know my family has a uh has a story with adoption there's no need to go into it now but um just seeing somebody that and whether I'm not going to say that uh, there was a hole that needed to be filled or anything about the other parents, but uh, just seeing somebody taking the opportunity to step up and, and fill a role that was created by circumstances uh, and, and seemingly do well in that and to have a positive impact on, on some children that, that probably needed it uh, just because of the way the circumstance was uh, it, it just, it feels good to hear. Um, it feels good to hear that you've had a positive influence uh on those kids and, and hopefully added a little bit of a stability and, and you know hopefully um the ideal is maybe now uh maybe now they've got more than one relationship to look up to as far as how a functioning relationship works uh there's no need to speculate on what the other parents are doing but at the very least i hope that they can look to to you and your wife and say hey um this is the model of how it's supposed to be and i, and I think that that's uh, that's where a lot of of kids from broken families really get get cheated is because they never get to see the close and intimate model of what a real relationship is supposed to actually look like. And and yeah. to be fair, a lot of kids that don't come from broken families don't get to see that either. Um, yeah, you know, it, it is important to have the uh, the male role model, the father figure, you know, even if it's not your actual father, but to have that um, and it's it's being scientifically proven now, or, you know, statistically, at least maybe not, you know, complete science, but uh, statistically that a family with a male role model, whether that be the actual father or not, 
or even just when the father has to raise the, you know, his kids by himself uh, is more positive outcomes for those kids growing up compared to like when just a mother by herself. Yeah. Um, and, it, and that's, you I, know, and that's not said to like say, Oh, like moms can't do the job. I had a lot of Marines when I started really stepping into leadership positions that grew up. Um, some, some didn't even know who their fathers were. Uh, some guys, you know, they knew who their father was, but they never saw him or they hated their biological father and had no relationship. And all these guys that didn't have somebody else coming to the picture, like a good stepdad or even an uncle or somebody, uh, all of them turned to, if they live in an urban area, they turned to the streets, they got in with the gangs. And half the reason they were in the Marine Corps was they were trying to escape that life. Uh, earlier in my days, there were a lot of dudes who were in the Marine Corps because they were given the option, like you can go to jail or you can go to the Marines. And they were like, Marines does not sound as bad as jail. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they're right or not, but, um, and, you know, and things like that. And so it is important to have that male role model. Um, and I've realized that when I had a young Marine, uh, come into my, my room one night, very, very drunk and tell me that he looked up to me like a father figure. And I was like, dude, we've known each other for like six months. And he's like, I know, but like, that's just who you are. So I started taking that role very seriously as a leader in the Marines. And that was, you know, years before now meeting my then seven-year-old son. So I was like, this is an important thing for a young man. Uh, and I've just tried to do my best to provide that. And um, I've definitely not been perfect at it. Uh, you know, my wife has helped me work through a lot of things because like when I think I'm trying to hide all my baggage and being pissed off from a bad day at work. I don't always do a great job at it. And she's had to be there like, what's up? Like what's going on? You know, do you need to go work mm -hmm. out? Do you need to go take a step? She's like, you, you need something. Cause like right now, you know, you're, you're being really short with everybody. And I, you know, I've got to suck it up. And cause you know, when you get called out, you just want to get angrier that you're being called out. Um, but I'm like, yeah, all right, well, let me go in the garage and punch the concrete a couple of times and I'll come back inside and uh, we'll, we'll move on. Um, no, that's so funny. Yeah, and, it's and not perfect, but yeah, go ahead. I, I meant to, uh, I, have you read The Boy Crisis? Um, I have not. The book, The Boy Crisis. Uh, it's uh, it, it would be a book that you would probably be really interested in, actually, um, because some of a lot of these statistics that you're talking about uh, are listed in that in that book, The Boy Crisis, uh, and complete failure on my part. I meant to get that book out when I knew that we were going to re-record. Uh, I meant to get that book out and, and look through it and actually bring some of those statistics uh, to you, but I completely forgot. Uh, but yeah, it's called The Boy Crisis. It's by like William Farrell or something like that. Um, yeah, Will Farrell. It's it's not the Will Farrell, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a it's a good book. Basically stating how we have a crisis amongst our young men. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with fatherhood. Um, but no, I, like I said, it's, it's good to see. And, and, um, you know, father figures come in, in a lot of different shapes and sizes. Uh, and just because you have a dad doesn't mean that that's the only father figure you need. 
Uh, a lot of times that comes in the form of other coaches, teachers, uh, advisors, people, um, you know, when you go into the military or when you go to college or uh, whatever the case may be, uh, those strong male role models are are needed. And so, like I said, at the, at the very least, it's good to hear uh, that you've been able to provide uh, a good, strong male presence uh, for these boys. Uh, and like I said, it, if it's the only one they have, then I'm even more glad. Uh, at the very least, it's it's another one. And I know that there can never be too many. Um, there can never be too many strong male role models uh, for for young, growing boys. So, uh, Blake, I, I really appreciate you coming back on. I really appreciate you uh, helping me refine this episode into a product that uh, we're, we're both happy with and that we're both proud of. Uh, I think it's um i'm really interested in in what you have to say and i've always been uh interested in what you have to say you actually got uh recommended very highly uh by some of your peers at otg uh jared specifically uh and and i think you've been able to follow through man you you've got a long life of of experience uh good experience and uh i think that you're walking walking the talk you're talking the talk and you're walking it uh by being there for those boys and and by creating a good marriage and so uh i say all that just to say that i i really appreciate it and i appreciate the work that uh you're doing for otg because you may be able to provide a positive male figure in that um you know at otg and i think you even mentioned maybe on the last episode that that uh that that had been the case that some of these guys uh, came looking for at the very least a community. Um, I think that, I think that may have been you. I think it was you. It doesn't matter, but, um, I say all that and and I'm talking way too much, but, uh, I just appreciate you mostly as as a person and and all the things that you do. Uh, and especially in, in the terms of, of your marriage, uh, you and your wife, uh, seem to have a good thing going and, and clarify how many kids you actually have uh, how many are step? How many of yours? Or if you don't want to make that clarification, that's fine. But how many no, children? Well, I do you have. have? Uh, I just have the two boys, uh, my two stepsons. Okay. Um, that we did talk about kids, um, but with the overall dynamic of things, with where we were financially, um, I was like, I just don't know. And my wife was like, I really feel that you're going to regret it if you don't have like a true kid of your own. I was like, I don't, there there were times where I'm like, yeah, maybe I will. And, you know, who's going to carry on the Flannery name, but I've got other siblings. So I'm like, they can go have, you know, biological kids. I'm like, these boys are enough. Um, And so, yeah, uh, long story short, yeah. uh, The two boys, they're they're what I've got and uh, it's going well enough. So I'm happy with it. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, do you have any uh, final comments? Do you have any questions for me? Uh, any any final words? Yeah, uh, I would just say that um, we didn't really talk about it too much, but uh, communication is incredibly important uh, in the relationship. And it's also the most difficult thing to, to nail down because um, everyone has, you know, like we got this book, The Love Languages. Um, it's It's a good book to read. My wife buys into it a bit more than I do. Um, but recognizing that she, she used, that's like how we are on the same level about communication. Like, even if I don't fully buy into it as much as she does, she does. And so therefore 
listen to what you have to say about what you think your your love languages are. It's so, all about like, like the the ways that I, people communicate. I I hate to interrupt, but you you had stopped. So um, uh, you're, you're, yeah, your your connection right. dropped out. You were saying that uh, the the five love languages uh, that you you didn't buy into it a whole lot, but uh, the fact that it was important to her. Uh, I guess makes it important to you. Go ahead and re- and recover that. Yeah, it's you know it is important to her, and I have to under you know, not even necessarily completely understand it, but I have to accept it. And if it's important to her, then I have to understand it at least well enough that if that's how she expects to be communicated with, you know, based on love love languages, like that, I need to strive to do that. And you know, she's also done the same. And we were given those books when we got married and, you know, they did not unlock like the secret key to eternal happiness. Like there have been struggles. There have <laughs> been, there's been bad years. There's been good years. There's ups and there's downs. We are like going solid. And then like one night there'll be something and there'll be an argument. And then we're both like, Oh, this, everything is awful. And the relationship's going to end. And then, but then two days later, we're back to like getting things back on track. Um, cause even when it seems dire, like you have to look at the situation and figure it out. It, a lot of times it, it's going to take a really, really healthy dose of humility. Um, because we always want to believe whenever there's some kind of conflict or argument, we always want to believe that we're in the right, we're the bigger victim in this situation and the other person is just being unfair and unjust and just doesn't get it and doesn't see the whole picture, but we see the picture. And yes, sometimes that's true. And when that's true, then, you know, you got to have the conversations and the other party comes around is like, you know what, you know, I, I was, I was in the wrong, you know, or what happens a lot of times between my wife and I is we're both Marines. And so we're stubborn and we're prideful and it'll come around like, all right, you know, so I wasn't wrong. However, the way that I phrased it to you, the way that I approached that subject, that was wrong. Like that was, that was no good. So let's go back to like this point before we started going at each other and let's actually look at this topic and how do we move forward from here? Um, so you, you got to be able to kind of, Swallow your pride. Um, you know, big things for me uh, was um, learning uh, about I statements and making sure I'm I'm making things about me and my feelings in a subject because especially with my wife and generally with women is they communicate through emotions and not necessarily like stating an emotion but saying like oh I'm sad or oh I'm happy but just how do things make you feel? And if you can communicate that, um, that will resonate more with your wife versus the normal way that like guys approach things where it's more of the actually focusing on the, the object, right? Like you hate your boss. So well, guys will get together and we'll talk about our boss and all the stupid things that, you know, he does Whereas the women will get together and they'll speak about how the things he does make them feel. So as a guy, and that's been really tough for me because I don't understand. I still like, even though I've been trying to work on it for years now, I still screw it up royally. Um, So 
it's tough, but you have to try and communicate that fashion uh, with your wife. And, it, you know, if it's flipped, then, you know, that's cool. But you have to figure out how that is and, you know, speak their language. Uh, yeah. So just like you know, my wife wants me to communicate with her, you know, in more feelings and, and emotional terms. I'm like, I there are times where, like I really need you to be far more pragmatic right now. Because all I'm getting is the emotion and I don't know what the problem is. So I right. need you to like, I need you to kind of like, let's, let's back up because I don't understand. And can that be rephrased? Like what, what is the thing and what are the conditions that are now have you like in this state or it, it, cause I screw up all the time. So it's like, all right, so I did something wrong. What did I do wrong? Like, I need to understand this. So can we talk about like the thing and then I'll try to figure out the emotion and like communicate back that way. Uh, meeting. Yeah. Meeting them where they're at is very important. Uh, and that's, that's on, uh, especially in a marriage, but that's, that's any relationship on any level uh, is doing your best to, to, to meet them where they're at. And I think that's where a lot of people get in a lot of trouble in arguments is because uh, that's where it turns from a discussion to an argument or a fight is uh when you stop trying to meet them where they're at uh yeah a mistake i've made is uh avoiding things to avoid the fight uh because it never it never fully avoids the fight it just delays it 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 puts it off and it it makes it worse but i'm still like things that come around like oh my god this is gonna i know this is gonna create a fight and i don't want to fight because i hate fighting with her and it's just not going to be good. And so then I'm looking like, how can I fix, how can I fix this thing, you know, and avoid the fight? But it, it almost never does. And even if I fix the thing and I, I could set the conditions where she doesn't need to be mad and she wouldn't be mad. But then if I like, yeah, I, I did this because I, you know, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Then she's hurt because that's like, I'm saying, I don't trust you enough. fight yeah you, you dropped out there for a, uh, a second can you still hear me yeah i got you again i think i chose yeah, the so worst it, place in the house for wi-fi yeah no it's fine uh honestly we haven't had too many issues but uh but no i completely get what you're saying and and my wife uh i have a tendency to bring up too many things that we need to argue about uh, i'm a very irritable person um it, it's it's not hard at all to irritate me in some way shape form or fashion and uh because of the kind of uh power dynamic in our relationship it's it's really easy for me to constantly bring up issues that we need to work on uh whereas my wife is kind of the other way where it's like uh she doesn't want to have a problem and uh she doesn't think that she really wants to discuss it and so her problem is it's not even that she'll put off discussing it it's that she'll self-destruct trying to fix it um you know she'll she'll be like okay well uh i'm not going to tell him about this uh because i don't really want to fight about it and then just the decision making abilities uh on the on the topic at hand uh just immediately go downhill on her end of yeah. it, you know um yeah and then and, sometimes there's things that come up like you you get into an argument for something and you have to be like all right you initiated this argument you know, and it can come from either side, but it's like you initiate this argument and this doesn't make any sense. And 
actually looking at it like my wife is much better at this than I am, which is probably why I get irritated when she does it to me. But it's like, all right, what what is the actual problem here? Like you're <laughs> you say you're acting upset, like this just happened, and now you're pissed off. Like what actually happened? And you got to find out. Like maybe what you did right then wasn't the issue, but like you know that was the millionth time you were asked or told not to like do this certain thing or phrase something a certain way, and you did it again. You know, or you you dropped a spoon on the kitchen floor and because you like dropped like three other things that broke over the past week like now that person's pissed off because you dropped the spoon the spoon didn't break of course and it's silly to be upset about the spoon right but now you're just upset because they keep dropping and, and, and things have been breaking so like there's almost always an underlying thing and whenever it doesn't make sense like you have to try and dig into like all right it you can't possibly be mad about this thing that we're actually talking about. Oh yeah. Of course. Don't say that out loud. Like that's like your internal, like, okay, my partner can't actually be mad this mad about this thing we're talking about. There is something else going on. What is it? And then you have to ask the question and then expect that you're probably not going to get a really great answer at first, because when we get called on our shit, we hate it. You know, yep. when I, when my wife calls me, I get angrier at first, but I'm like, can't like, she's right. I can't just like blow up because she's right. And I just want to be mad right now. And it's the same thing the other way around. Like when she is come home, she's had a really crappy day. And then she starts on me because I didn't bring the mail in or something. I'm like, all right, what happened at work today? Um, right. That was a tool that I was given, you know, recently uh, because she pushed me, my wife pushed me to go seek uh, therapy because uh, I was diagnosed with PTSD. And so that was a tool that the therapist gave me. Um, so that has been huge for me to try and like make sense of when we get an argument and I don't know what's going on um, to try and make sense of what's really happening. Um, and then the I statements that I was given when I was going to the, uh, traumatic brain injury clinic, um, those are being two big things, big tools for me that for the past two and a half years now, since I first learned the, uh, the I statements thing, I've been really helping, uh, with our relationship. And I think really now, um, even despite me, you know, uh, making an ass of myself with the last recording and kind of pissing off my wife. Uh, we're still in a great spot. Like we are as a couple, we are stronger now than we ever have been, which is really, I think everyone should be able to say that, right? The right. further you get in your relationship, you should be like, even if things aren't great, you're like, yeah, like one of us or both of us made a mistake here. It's like right now we're just like casting evil glares at each other, but we know we're going to get through this. And we're going to get through this faster than we would have, you know, a year ago or two years ago. So we are stronger than we used to be. And if you're not getting stronger, that's where you have to come together and look at like, why are we not getting stronger? Let's figure this out. And sometimes that means getting, you know, professional help. Um, when we first got married, we were actually, you know, like we're different people. We should probably go talk to somebody before we start fighting to like get some tools. And so we did, we saw a marriage counselor who was like, wait, so everything's fine. We're like, yeah, everything's fine, but it might not be. <laughs> so we want you to, you know, help us out. And so we saw that counselor it was short, it was probably like six months, but that gave us more tools 
to work through, you know, some of our, our issues that came up. Yeah, I know th this is all really good and uh, I'm glad we did. Uh, I was going to end it probably a little bit too early without talking about the the communication. And uh, I'm glad we brought that up because that was an important piece uh, that you had brought up the I statements. Uh, I really do enjoy the I statements and, and I don't use it. I don't, I don't use it just a whole lot, um, but it definitely it, it's, it's a tool for me. Uh, it's something that I can try to use to get my, uh, my point across. Are you still with me there, Blake? Yeah. Yeah. I'm here. We froze for a sec again. Yeah. So uh, I was talking about I statements and, uh, I said, it's, it's not, it's not always my go-to tool, but, uh, I definitely use it and I actually had to use it, uh, the other day, you know, my wife, I don't even remember what she had done. Oh, it was, we were trying to do something and, uh, I'm big on, Hey, this is my goal. This is my objective for you. Uh, take it, make it your own, do whatever you want to do with it. Uh, just get us to this objective. That's all I really want. Uh, do this thing, however you want to do it. Uh, and typically I give her some sort of guidelines of like, well, I don't really want this and I don't really want this, uh, a pretty broad spectrum of this is not what I want. This is not what I want. Uh, this is the destination that I want you to be at, uh, go forth and, and have fun with it, you know, do whatever you want to do. Um, it's, it's kind of a leadership topic of, you know, letting them come up with their own plan to get to an objective. So, uh, that's kind of what I do on a, on a few different things when I've got something that I need done that I need my wife's input on. Uh, and I had to use an I statement the other day cause I was, uh, I, I told her cause the, the matter at hand really wasn't big enough for me to be upset about kind of like what you had talked about. Uh, the matter, uh, the matter at hand is not big enough for me to actually, you know, be this upset about it. Uh, and so I actually had remembered you saying the I statements, uh, and that's where I was like, okay, look, um, I understand that what we're actually talking about here isn't this big, isn't, isn't a very big deal. Um, you know, this minor little mistake that, that you made right here, I understand that that's not very big, but you know, one of the, the problem is I felt like you really didn't listen to anything that I said for like two weeks before this, like, I, I just felt like you really didn't listen to me at all. It's, it's much less about the actual consequences of this decision that you'd made. Uh, and it's more about the fact that, um, I felt so unheard about the issue, you know, from the get go. Uh, and it actually helped out a lot because then she was like, Oh, now I see why you're so upset. You know, now, now I understand. And, and it's completely fair. Uh, and then we were able to move on, uh, so yeah, I agree with you being able to meet them where they're at and communicate in terms that, that they understand. Cause like you said, that's always how my wife operates. And she's like, well, you made me feel like this and you made me feel like that. And I'm like, well, the, what the facts say this, you know, the facts say this, uh, it's definitely two different styles and being able to, um, being versed in, in their style of communication is, is definitely a plus. Uh, and so that is something that I'm really glad that you, you brought up and, and uh gave a demonstration of but um any any anything else man i think i think we've covered uh a lot of it um yeah i i can't i can't think of too many areas that we haven't at least touched on um any got anything else no um yeah really just that that communication piece is really big for people to figure out um i mean it, it's taken my wife and i the better part of the 10 years of marriage, like really start nailing this thing down to where we can really start growing. Um, 
as a couple. So, yeah, the sooner you can work that out, the sooner you can kind of push your ego aside. Because, uh, yeah, we always want to think that we're the bigger victim, but, you know, it's usually not the case. And when you're trying to convince yourself that you are, it means you're probably in the wrong. So, yeah, when you're trying to justify your victim status, that's probably a pretty good, uh, probably a pretty good, um, pretty good sign at the, at the very least. But oh, that was the last thing I wanted the getting to really just the root of the issue. I think that's where I mean, almost all, not even just marriage issues, but work, friendships, all of that stuff. Uh, I would say that 99% of fights or arguments, not discussions, discussions are good. Conversations are good. Arguments and fights, I think, are are not good. Uh, 99% of arguments and fights are about the wrong thing. I would have to guess. Um, the yeah. the majority of the time spent in an argument and a fight is is focusing on the the exact wrong thing. And it's, it's kind of sad to see because um, – I've seen couples fight for 20 years over the wrong thing, you know, like I've, I've seen couples uh, even my age fight for years over the wrong thing. Uh, and it's just hard to watch. Um, it, it's hard to watch and especially more difficult when you're in it and you finally realize it. Uh, that's, that's probably one of the most difficult parts is when you're in it and you've been fighting about a certain thing for let's say six months or a year. Uh, and then you finally realize that that actually wasn't the issue at all. Uh, number one, it's good because you've made progress, but it just sucks so bad. You're like, we wasted so much time um, yeah. fighting about and the same token. Yeah, the same token. It's like you're never, you're never going to be a hundred percent agreeing on everything on the same page all the time. That's just not a yeah. thing. And you know, social media. There are people out there on social media to tell you that there is. And they'll say that their relationship is amazing. I there's no way right? You agree on everything all the time. It's just not possible. Right. And that's, that's okay. Right. It is okay to have, you know, what, what we can call it failure, right? Like we just, we don't agree on what we want for dinner tonight. We don't agree on what restaurant we should go. We don't agree on the paint that the wall should be. And that's fine. And those are times where like, you really, again, we kind of hinted about compromising like with communication. It's you, sometimes you compromise, right? You know, you want yeah. one room painted this color and you guys can agree on it, can't agree on it. Like we'll paint the two different rooms, the two different colors that you want, like find something, but you're not always going to agree. And so if you look at like every time there's adversity, like, Oh my God, our relationship is ending because we're not agreeing on this. Then, you know, everything that goes wrong just becomes an emergency. And if everything's an emergency, nothing is because then right. eventually you just stop caring. And that's when like it actually will start going downhill. So you disagree, you disagree. You're going to use your communication tools to figure out, you know, why it is you're disagreeing and you either come to a compromise or if it's a small thing, like you just agree to disagree. You know, my wife hates camouflage. I love camouflage. <laughs> so like I have all kinds of camouflage garments, like different t-shirts and shorts and whatever. And she hates it. So I don't ever buy her anything that has a camouflage pattern. And I never expect her to compliment when I'm wearing, you know, some kind of camouflage pattern. Like, <laughs> and that's fine. Right. That's not something that's worth being upset about. Right. You know? Yeah, no, I, I agree a lot. And I think it was very well said. Uh, yeah. If your wife hates camouflage, maybe don't wear camouflage to the family pictures that you're supposed to go take. Uh, be smart dudes that's that's the essence of of what we're trying to say here 
no, they don't. <laughs> you don't need to wear your uh, your roadie short shorts to the to the family pictures. Uh, stop stop getting into stupid fights. Uh, and, and learn and learn how to learn how to communicate. So, Blake, I think that uh, you you've said a lot of things of value here today. I uh, really appreciate you making the time to come and uh, and and record this episode. Uh, I think it's a, a pretty good product, and um, I, I I just really enjoyed it. So, thank you again for coming on. Uh, lastly, yeah, lastly, uh, everybody go check out uh blake I, I do this every damn time and i don't mean to what are your socials tell people where to find you yeah so uh on instagram uh blakewater0326 and that is uh primarily individual equipment solutions but i cover a lot of leadership and other things um it tends to be very military life centric because that's who i represent um but there's stuff in there for everybody if you're in the in the the gun culture we'll call it uh, my business page is maneuver training solutions underscore LLC. And so that's where I put up all my class announcements and I share more of the, the firearms specific stuff over there when it comes like manual of arms, marksmanship, shooting drills. Um, I am uh, Blakewater on YouTube. So you can hit up that channel. I've got a handful of videos right now. Uh, we should be doing some filming next weekend. It'll be funny because I'm going to have uh, surgery to repair a, uh, torn biceps tendon tomorrow so i'll be doing shooting drills one-handed so definitely go check those out so you can laugh at me a little bit mm-hmm. um i uh blakewater 0326 on twitter and again that's just kind of like random bites because there's not much i can share there uh as far as quantity of uh content and i have a patreon blakewater mts uh there's a few tiers to that uh so people can go there and i just dig into uh, long articles. So the same subjects I cover in other places by getting a long detailed articles. I try to put up as many photos as possible. Uh, whenever I make a YouTube video, it always goes up on Patreon uh, before it goes up on YouTube. So they get early access. Um, and yeah, that really covers it as far as the socials go. Awesome. Yeah. Go check them out. Uh, especially in, in the realm of uh, the, the military preparedness and training and, uh, well, I hesitate to say military, but even, I mean, just preparedness and training uh, in general. I really like his uh, kit siderations. I uh, watched his, uh, I, I don't know if this was an Orion video or yours, but uh, how to pack, I think it was like how to pack your ruck like a Marine, uh, Force Recon Marine. Uh, I think that, yeah, that was, was OTG. Yeah, that, that was a really cool video on OTG's channel. Um, I, I've learned a lot from you and Jared, uh, specifically, but all the OTG guys are, are awesome. So, uh, go check him out, check out the underscore purpose podcast on Instagram. Uh, we've got a couple new series or we got a new series called ruck and reel. Uh, that's where I go on a ruck. And, uh, I think I may have said this last time, but I've made a critical error, uh, saying that I'm going to do a reel every time I ruck because I ruck every day. And now that means that I have to come up with something, uh, to talk about every single day that's impactful. And, uh, it's been a struggle. So if you want to come watch me struggle and suffer, (laughs) uh, go look at the ruck and reels, uh, share those comment on those. Uh, if you think that I'm an idiot, please comment on that, uh, for two reasons so that I can no longer be an idiot. I can take your sage wisdom uh whoever you might be and uh it apply it into my life and the other thing is if you comment on it it gets more exposure so either way uh it's it's a positive impact so uh if you think that i'm dumb on my ruck and reels go comment uh go share it to your story and say hey look at how dumb this guy is 
uh, do all those things so that I can correct myself and so that uh, you get me more exposure. Please do that. Um, anyway, we've got the Purpose Podcast on Sundays. Uh, we just actually, the day that Blake and I are recording this, uh, we released one with Aaron Jin. Uh, Aaron is a, uh, a tech entrepreneur, I guess. Uh, he, he's built four different companies, I guess, in the realm of growth hacking, but that's not what Aaron and I talked about. Aaron and I talked about, uh, masculinity, specifically biblical masculinity. Uh, he walked through a lot of the Bible and, and what it means to be a masculine man in the eyes of Christ. So, uh, go check that out. Uh, and, uh, guys have a good one, uh, find your purpose and fulfill it. Thanks.